0: That's why we're talking about, that's why I'm preaching about the power of the cross this morning. So let's go to Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 19. Amen. So that was my little rant before I preach. Amen. Romans chapter 1, verse 16 to verse 19. It says, For I'm not ashamed, so I'm not ashamed. I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of what? Of the gospel of Christ. I'm not ashamed of the good news of Jesus Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation. Amen. Hey, while, while I was just thinking, yeah, uh, Mandy, uh, and and Mandy got engaged yesterday. Hallelujah. So congr- congratulations. Exciting. We're so blessed for you. Amen. So I just saw you in the corner of my eye there. So uh, hallelujah, this sort of... Uh, um, these, um... These moments, you know what I'm like. So so I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God unto salvation for everyone who believes, for the Jew first and also to the Greek. So the Bible tells us that I'm not ashamed of this gospel, the good news. It's good news. It's not bad news. It's only bad news for those who don't believe. It's only bad news for the devil. It's only bad news for the enemies of God, but it's good news, amen, for it is the power of God. The word power there is the Greek word dunamis, which actually means a, 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 a miraculous power. So it's a miraculous power. If you want to see the miraculous power of Christ, then don't be ashamed of the gospel. Don't be ashamed of what you believe. Don't be ashamed of telling people about Jesus. Amen. And he says, for it is the power of God unto salvation. The word salvation there is the Greek word soteria, which means health. It means salvation. It means deliverance, preservation, safety. It means Means a, 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 a freedom and a deliverance from the molestation of your enemies. That's what it actually means. So salvation is more than you just, uh, uh, more than just forgiveness. There is more to it. Amen. There is more to your salvation. It's not for just when you die. It's for yeah when you live. Amen. I don't need pie in the sky while I'm living here. That's why Jesus said you must pray. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. So yes, we know Jesus is coming, but this gospel is there to give you the release, to give you the authority that you and I need in this day and in this hour, more than ever. And it's in the preaching of Christ, and let's carry on reading. It says, for in this gospel, verse 17, the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith. So it's in this gospel that we understand who we are in Jesus. If you don't get into the Word and understand what Jesus has done at the cross of Calvary, you will always live in condemnation and guilt. You will always live in a sense of unworthiness and and thinking, am I making it? But when you understand who you are in Christ, you understand that your significance does not come from what people say about you, does not come from the approval of man, does not come from anyone else except the living God who has washed you in His blood, who has cleansed you, who has made you whole. That's the gospel. That's where the righteousness of God is. So in this gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed. It's not just about, let me feel good today. This is not a motivational gospel. It will motivate you. It will change your life. But it's more than that. It changes your whole life. It changes your whole being. I was a sinner. I was on my way to hell. I was a mess, but this gospel came and saved me and brought me to a place of righteousness. And as a result, I'm totally changed. I'm totally different to what I was when I was unsaved. He says in verse 18, for the wrath of God. Now, I know for the hyper grace people, I believe in grace. But in the same passage, it says the wrath of God is revealed from heaven because the gospel is preached because you have this good news because you have this power of God because that is manifest, at the same time it reveals that the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. So listen to me, that's why sometimes, or not sometimes, all the time, if you are Spirit-filled and you love Jesus, there's sometimes this thing that irks your spirit when you see ungodliness in the world and you see men and women trying to suppress, the truth in unrighteousness. You know what that is? That's a judgment on the system of the world. And it's because you understand the good news and the power of God, because you understand the salvation that you have, you understand that this world is being set up for a judgment. And the only answer for them is that they come to Christ and repent and accept the good news. It's the only thing. Uh, Come on. You know, for too long, the church, we prayed these little weak prayers. Oh, God, bless this, bless that, bless. No, God, God, no. You you know, we cannot pray those prayers anymore. we got to be praying, Lord, will you save our nation? Will you save our, 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 our premier? Will you bring revival, God? Will you bring sin down? Will you bring destruction down? Oh, God, will you bring unrighteousness down? It's very evident and very clear once you understand the power of the cross. Amen. We need to start praying biblical prayers. Because for too long we just pray, and I'm not saying you yet, I'm just saying generally. We prayed weak prayers that have no conviction and faith behind them. That's why when they said about Jesus, they said, He speaks as one having authority and not as the scribes. There's got to be a different type of understanding and revelation of our salvation so that when we when we preach the gospel, we understand that as long as we preach the gospel, it actually begins to manifest the darkness that is there because the darkness has always been there. All that is happening now is God is beginning to manifest the gospel, uh, the, the unrighteousness. Why? Because the church is finally beginning to pray. I'm not saying every church, but I'm saying that there are saints now beginning to rise up and say we are here to preach the gospel. And I want to tell you the way to bring destruction on the enemy, on, on demonic struggle, is to go and preach the gospel. Amen. To start telling people about Jesus. To start telling them about the love of God. To start praying prayers. Lord, will you bring salvation to politicians? Will you bring salvation to people? Will you bring salvation? Father, will you move? Will you move in the army, God? Will you move in the police? Will you move, God? Will you bring revival? I'll tell you what, we got to start praying those type of prayers that actually has a great love and a great compassion for the lost. Because unless we see that we are saved by grace through faith and that I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God unto salvation, unless we grasp that and have that understanding, we will never see a lost and broken and dying world. And the only thing they can do is listen to their master, who is the devil himself. But the power of the cross and the power of the gospel has the ability to break that. And if God has set this nation aside as the great Southland of the Holy Spirit, I'll put it to you very nicely that God is not finished with it yet, and neither is the church. That's why we can never back down. That's why we can never just become weak in our faith and weak in unbelief and try and pacify every single Christian out there. That's not my job. My job is to fulfill the purpose of God to. To equip the saints for the work of the ministry, that we go out there, that we pray praise of of great faith and power, and that we preach the gospel with great power, that we lay hands on the sick. Amen. Because he goes on to say in verse nineteen, because what may be known of God is manifest in them, for God has shown it to them. You know the Bible is very clear that when you see unrighteousness manifest. The Bible says they know God and they actually purposefully are suppressing the truth in unrighteousness. There's a lot of lies in the world. And a lot of Christians that are submitting to those lies. Because we've forgotten the power of the cross, we've forgotten what this gospel is all about. This gospel saved me. Man, if this gospel saved me, uh, if I can be saved, then anybody can be saved. Amen. You didn't know me. None of you knew me when I was unsaved. But if I can be saved, then anybody can be saved. And by the way, if you can be saved, then anyone can be saved. (laughs) If the Italian Italian can be saved, then anyone can be saved. Amen. 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 If victor can be saved, then anyone can be saved. There's a longing, because there's something in every man, a woman, and child that, that longs for God. But they long to see a church that is unashamed of the gospel of Christ. You see, it's in the preaching of Christ that those who re- resist and promote evil, uh, uh, that the, the judgment falls on that. Amen. That's why we need to preach the gospel. Philippians chapter 3 verse 18, it says, For many walk of whom I told you often, and now tell you even weeping, that they are enemies of the cross. So there are people in this world that are the enemies of the cross. So when you preach the gospel, don't be concerned that you're going to get kicked back. Don't be concerned that the enemy is going to push back on you. You need to understand there are people that are enemies of the cross. But that should not stop us from preaching the gospel. Because it's good news. Amen. I mean, just in Perth alone, there's 2.2 million people. Huh? They need to hear the good news. We have a job to do. We, we cannot run out of people. Amen. Come on. Evan Roberts, the great revivalist in 1903 prayed. He said, Lord, just give me 100,000, 100,000 be saved. The The great Welsh revival, God moved. And you know what his prayer was? Lord, bend me, bend me. I tell you, when we start praying that prayer, Lord, bend me, bend the church, save the world. That was his prayer. Lord, bend the church, save the world. When the church bends to the will and the purpose of God and this great salvation, this great power, I'll tell you what, God can save the world because we start believing, that we have this great gospel that saves people and changes people. Amen. 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 17. He says, Paul the Apostle, t- uh, talking to the, the Corinthians. Now, the Corinthian church was a very interesting church. We won't get into that now. But he says, Christ did not send me to baptize, but to preach the gospel. Not with wisdom of, wisdom of words, lest the cross of Christ should be made of no effect. Look, we can come with our sharps and our smarts and try to present the gospel any which way, but we have to preach the gospel in power, amen. We gotta stop trying to uh, uh, please everybody and become men pleasers and try water down this gospel. This gospel cannot be watered down because if it is watered down, it's not the gospel, amen. People need to know that Jesus loves them, that Jesus paid for their sin, that Jesus went to the cross, that Jesus took their sin upon themselves, that Jesus rose again from, the dead and right now he's lord of all a king of kings and one day he is coming back for his church and one day he's coming back to judge all men that's the gospel amen and I'll tell you what when they hear those words something shifts in them why do you think people hate you can talk about God right but talk about Jesus suddenly people become uncomfortable because there's power in the name of Jesus. Amen. There's authority in this gospel. That's why we can never be ashamed of this. Amen. He says, for the message of the cross, and yeah, it's the difficulty for many people. The message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is what? The power of God. It's the dunamis of God. For people may not understand this entirely. But when you understand it's the power of God to you, that when you share this gospel, the cross of Jesus Christ, it is the power of God and you start preaching and sharing this gospel with great conviction that God is able to save everyone from gutter, from the gutter to to those who are in great places. Amen. God can save anyone. That's the power of God. So the Bible says this gospel is the power of God. Sometimes people ask, where's the power? Well, it's in the gospel. Preach the gospel. We think the power is all in us. Yeah, Jesus is in us. But the power is in us releasing the words. When God created the world, He said, let there be light. There was power when He released the word. There is power when we release the words. Amen. Come on. He says, for verse 9, He says, For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and bring to nothing the understanding of the, of the prudent. For where is the wise, where is a scribe, where is the disputer of this age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of this world? So we're living in a world that rages. We see it now in Brisbane. People rage. They rage against us. But the very fact that they are raging is because they are under conviction. Amen. Now what are you going to do? Just give in? Or are you going to believe the power of the gospel? Amen. And just say, "Brother, you can rage against me, but I tell you what Jesus loves you. He cares for you, and there's a way of salvation, and that's through the cross of Jesus Christ. That when you repent and you give your heart to him and you die to yourself, he's able to save you. Give you purpose. Give you a reason to live." Amen. We've got to get back to the fundamentals of the gospel. Because I don't want to sit here and tell you how to be a nice person. Because I'll tell you what, in that church over east, I know the people. They're some of the nicest people. But if we really care for humanity, we're going to tell them and let them know that Jesus loves them. That there is this cross that paid for their sins. And by taking of our cross, we'll experience the power of God. He says in verse 21 For since in the wisdom of God, the world through wisdom did not know God, it pleased God. Listen, here's the important thing it pleased God through the foolishness, say the foolishness, of the message preached. So this 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 message is foolishness and, and the way this power is manifest is when we speak it. It pleased God that through the foolishness of the message preached to save those who believe. Look, I mean it's crazy. Look, I used to rage against Christians. I did. I was a sinner. But I heard the words, and and the words, (laughs) this is how stupid it is. The moment I heard the words, it entered my spirit, my mind, and God gave me the faith to believe Him. And that changed me from a sinner to a saint in a moment of time. This is the power of the gospel. I don't do this because I do this for a living. I could have made a lot of money out in the world in business. I do this because he's changed my life and he spoke to me. Such is the power of God's word that when you hear that message that Jesus loves you, that he died for you, that He took your sin upon Himself, that if you believe in Him and receive Him and confess Him as Lord, you will be saved. That's power. It's absolute foolishness, though, in essence, to the world, to many people. Maybe people sitting here, how can this thing that happened 2,000 years ago actually change us? You don't see nations around the world raging against anyone else except the church and Israel. Right? Because the church carries the power. And the world will never experience power until we, through the foolishness of the message preached, give it to them and deliver it to them. He goes on to say, He says in verse 22, For Jews request a sign and Greeks seek after wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified to the Jews a stumbling block and to the Greeks foolishness. But to those who are called both Jews and Greeks, Christ the power of God and Christ the wisdom of God. You know where the power of God is? And I'm just going through this, just, just verse by verse, because we need to get back to God's Word. Christ is the power of God. Christ is the wisdom of God. If you don't know what to do, talk to Jesus. Amen. If you don't know what to do, surrender and submit to Jesus once again. Amen. If you are powerless, then say, God, I surrender to you because Christ is the power of God and Christ is the wisdom of God. Amen. Because listen, he goes on to say, because the foolishness of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. Hallelujah. I'll tell you what, that's so amazing that we actually are a bunch of people running around all we have is words it's all we have we don't have weapons We don't have like, when I was in the army in South Africa, R1s and R4s and nowadays AK-47s and whatever else people are using. We don't have those weapons. The weapons that we have are the words of God that come out of our mouth. That's the power of God. That's what you got to get. That's what you understand. So when we pray, we're praying the power of God. Amen. And if we start believing that, that this word that saved you can save the world out there. Amen. This is incredible. He says, For God, for you see your calling, brethren. Not there are not many wise according to the flesh. Not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. You know, and that doesn't mean you're weak and and and, and lame. What it means is simply this is that the, the power is not in you, it's in him. And God can use anyone. He says, and he's chosen the basings of the world And the things that are despised that God has chosen and the things which are not to bring to nothing, the things that are, that no flesh should glory in His presence. And this, when we understand the power of God, that God works through us, it's not that we who are the big shot, there's only one big shot, His name is Jesus Christ, amen. And every knee and every tongue shall confess, every knee will bow, every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. That's where the power lays. And if the church can get back to that, that we surrender to God, we honor God, and when we start praying, we start praying with great authority, great power, that when we start telling people about Jesus, there's great authority and great power in what we do. Amen. Come on, somebody say amen. He says that no flesh should glory in His presence. He says in verse 30, but of Him you are in Christ, uh, uh, Jesus, who became for us wisdom from God and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Come on, I want you to say this. Say, Lord Jesus, you became to me, In my life, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. Amen. Means God purchased you, means God changed you, means God cleaned you, God made you whole. That's what it means that Jesus is made unto us. My righteousness is not found anywhere else. My wisdom is not found anywhere else but in the cross of Jesus Christ. Amen. Verse 31, as it is written, he glories, let him glory in the Lord. Paul the apostle writes to the Galatians verse chapter 6 verse 14 He says but God forbid that I should glory that I should boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ by whom the world has been crucified to me you know and I've said this often over the last 2 years If you're afraid to die, you need to surrender to Him. There is no fear in love. He says, the world has been crucified to me. There's nothing in the world They can satisfy me, nor you. He says, I will not boast in anything else but the cross. And sure, that does not mean you can't thank God and be blessed because of your accomplishments and other people's accomplishments. That's not what it's talking about. He says, but in essence, my significance does not come from the world i'm not trying to please them i'm trying to please god he says by whom the world has been crucified to me and i to the world for in christ jesus neither circumcision nor uncircumcision avails anything but a new creation so he says look whether you circumcised or uncircumcised doesn't matter except you're a new creation and in our context today, it's whether you have it or whether you don't, it doesn't matter it's about the fact that you're a new creation, amen 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 it's about Jesus this nation needs to come to Jesus, the church actually needs to come to Jesus, many Christians need to surrender to Jesus Colossians chapter 2 verse 13 there's so many scriptures on the cross. And I just really want to read them to you. He says, And you being been dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh. He has made alive together with Him, having forgiven you all your trespasses. Having wiped out, listen, having wiped out the handwriting of requirements that was against us, that was contrary to us. Everything that was written against you, everything. The devil penned against you. Anything anyone ever said about you and wrote against you, anything, any sin, anything, any downfall, any problem, the Bible tells me that, that all of that, everything that was contrary to us, He has taken it out of the way, having nailed it to the cross. You see, this is the power of the cross is that people will come and say to you, but you've done this. I say, yeah, I know I've done that, but I'll tell you, brother, that's been nailed to the cross. I cannot change that, but it's been nailed to the cross. It's on the cross. There's power in the cross. The cross has got power, and when we understand that, it's like we we are free of this. We are free of the accusation. We are free of these burdens and the condemnation and guilt that so many Christians walk around with. It's unnecessary that we walk around feeling like we are failures, that we are nothing, that we can amount to nothing but we understand that the power of the cross has given me life, it's given me purpose, it's given me destiny. That's why God says I've taken all of that and I've nailed it to the cross. So when the enemy comes against you and people come against you and they accuse, you say, my brother and my sister, it's been nailed to the cross. When the devil comes against you, you say it's been nailed to the cross. And just what happens. He says he nailed it to, to the cross. Verse 15, having disarmed principalities and powers, he made a public spectacle over them, of them triumphing over them in it, in what? In the cross. So Jesus has disarmed principalities and powers. So listen, when you fight this war, you're fighting from a position of authority as long as you understand what the cross is about, as long as you understand that the cross has power, and the power is not about you, it's about him, and it's about us on the cross. Amen. Galatians chapter 2 verse 20 says, I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Amen. So when you understand that you've been put on the cross with Jesus that you understand once again, that you now live, the Bible tells us in Galatians 2 verse 20, maybe you can put it up there Matt, Galatians 2 verse 20, that I now live by the faith of the Son of God. You see when you get this, power and understand this cross issue, you will understand that I now live by the faith of the Son of God. It's not your faith, it's His faith in you, but you've got to get the idea and understand and get a revelation once again of the cross. Because if it's just by your faith, it's not going to amount to much eternally. It's not going to change anything in this world. But when you understand that I've been crucified with Christ, there's power in the cross, amen. And because I'm crucified with Christ, I no longer live. And the life that I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God. Imagine walking it out of here today, saying, I live now by the faith of the Son of God, hallelujah, that when I lay hands on the sick, they shall recover. And when I stand and I pray and I hear the Father's voice, I know what to pray, that every prayer that I hear from Him will be answered. I'll tell you what, when you operate by the faith of the Son of God, it's a different level faith, amen. But that only comes by the power of the cross, by nothing else. That's the power that we, the church, need to get to, get back to. I'm going to finish off with this, the band can come up. Psalm 105, verse 36. You know, we're gonna go into Passover one of these days. Can you believe we're now in February already? I think Jesus, you know, when Jesus said, unless those days were shortened, no one would survive. I just think God is quickening time, bending time and space for our sake. But yes, what here's what it says. When they came out of Egypt, the exodus, because remember this, the church is coming out. Amen. Amen. He's coming back for his church, a bride that is pure and spotless. The bridegroom is coming for the bride. The bride, that's the church, got to put their lamps up and get their lamps ready. Make sure we have enough oil. Amen. Make sure that we are ready for Him. Amen. But we are coming out. And when the church comes out, it's going to come out in victory. Listen to me. Come on, listen. you got to get this. Understand, the picture of the Exodus is a picture of the church. What was written beforehand was written for our instruction. Amen. God's people, when they came out of Egypt, they were slaves. For for 400 years they were slaves to Pharaoh, but God brought judgment on Pharaoh. By the way, He hardened Pharaoh's heart. So sometimes we look and we think, what is happening to political people around the world? God is hardening their heart. Amen. So we can show His power in the church amen some of them may never change but i'll tell you what's going to change the power in the church come on you got to get this come on so as they come out of Egypt, as they come out of egypt the bible tells us that they took all the gold and silver of the egyptians they spoiled the egyptians that's what they did it meant they they took the the, the egyptians gave them said just get out we, we we don't want you here anymore you're causing too much chaos But they came out in power. This is not about an ever-decreasing church. This is about a church that is glorious. This is about a church that is... Powerful. This is about a church that understands I'm crucified with Jesus. Hallelujah. This is about a church that understands the blood is on the doorpost of my life. I, the, the, the Passover lamb and the judgment passes over me. Listen to me. There is judgment coming and it's already in the world. But I'll tell you what. Those who understand the Passover lamb, those who understand the cross, those who understand the purpose of God, God will use those people for His glory. And he says, yeah, he says, verse 36. He says, He also destroyed the firstborn of their land, the first of all their strength. That's what God did then. I'll tell you now. That's the picture and type and shadow of what is to come. There's going to be the strength of the world that God is going to bring to nothing. That which they have gloated in, God will bring to nothing. And it says, He brought them out with silver and gold. These were slaves. These were the base people, the despised people. God brought them out with silver and gold. And he says, and there was not one feeble among them. Not one sick. Not one who had need. Not one who was broken. Not one. Not one. In the book of Peter, sorry, book of Ephesians says, chapter five verse 26 and 27. says that he might sanctify her, that's the church, and cleanse her with the washing of water through the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church. We're saying, Lord, show me your glory. Jesus says, I'm coming and I'm cleansing my church. I'm getting her ready for me. God is jealous for His church. We are His. We don't belong to a man. We belong to Him. We belong to Him. And it's that church that understands that. God, You're cleansing us. You're preparing us. You're putting to death things in our life. And Lord, You're preparing us to be glorious. I believe in the glorious church. It says that he might present her, put the scripture back on, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle or any such thing, but that she should be holy and without blemish. That's the church. I believe in the church. I believe in God's people. I believe that the church is going from one degree of glory to another, irrespective. Of what is happening in the world irrespective of the moves of the Antichrist trying to do his thing God will he, he, they try preempt things and God says you will not do a thing until it's my time till it's God's time but that does not mean that we are asleep and we're not awake because the difference between the five wise and the five foolish is that the, those they, they, those who woke up, they woke up, they woke up. But yes, the problem when some people wake up, they're going to find themselves with no oil. Or you're going to wake up, you say, "God, I prepared the oil, and when you do come, I'm ready. I'm ready for you. I, I, my lamp is lit. My lamp is lit. I can light my lamp, and there's oil in the lamp." That's the church that God is coming for, and that's a church who understands the power of the cross. That's the church who understands that I not boasted anything other than the power of the cross. Amen. That Jesus died for my sins, that Jesus rose again from the dead and that He's coming back in glory for a glorious church. That's the gospel that we preach. That's the gospel that we are unashamed of. That's the gospel that gives you great boldness. That's the gospel that gives you great authority. That's the gospel that gives you great purpose. Amen. That's the gospel that says you're not going to end up with nothing. That's the gospel that says you are coming. in out. you coming out victorious and glorious in Jesus' name. Let's stand to our feet this morning. Hallelujah.